First Samuel chapter nine. First Samuel chapter nine. If you would please. And if you have, uh, I know I sometimes I get carried away. Uh, but if you have question or would like to stop me, just raise a hand or whatever, and we'll we'll take a pause moment. How's that sound? But um, in the last few days in my devotions, I've been in First Samuel and uh, studying the life of Saul. Of course, most of you know he's going to be the first king of Israel. Um, Israel did not want to have a theocracy. They wanted to have a mono, uh, monarchy. Monarchy. They wanted to be like everybody else. How well did that work out for them? Okay. So oftentimes, you know, if our kids say, well, uh, so-and-so is doing it, well, you know, how well does it work out for all these uh, folks that are going in their own direction? And as I was reading uh, in Samuel and about Saul's life, I've never... I've never preached a series of messages on Saul. I've preached on King David and things like that. But there's a lot of things in Saul's life that demonstrate Galatians chapter 5 of walking in the flesh. Okay? And you're going to see that. And when we get into the works of the flesh, you're going to see how it comes into Saul's life and takes over his life. You all know what I'm talking about probably because many of you are familiar with Saul. So here tonight, as we get into this study, I want you to be honest with yourself. Isn't that better for us to be honest with ourselves? I think that really helps Westside Baptist Church to be a healthy church is when we are honest with ourselves. No one has any hierarchy of spirituality around here. We all are sinners saved by grace. And if it wasn't for God's mercy, everyone in this room would be in hell when they die. God's mercy is anew every, every day. And so to be honest with ourselves and to notice some traits. In fact, as I was reading this, this story, God spoke to my heart about some of those tendencies those indicators of when the flesh is more real than maybe we'd want to admit it to be. We all have moments in our flesh, don't we? We have moments that surprise ourselves uh, as well. Uh, but to be honest about what is happening in our lives and see how Saul exemplifies the works of the flesh. Now, all of us tonight want to hear from God, and this is what we're talking about, and this is what led into this last Wednesday night about walking in the Spirit, which means to be Spirit-led. Let Him be our guide, Him to take us on our journey where God would want us to go. And then we ask this question, why do we want to be Spirit-led? Why do we want to discover, or why do we want to hear from God? What's the answer for that? To get it right. <laughs> Keeps us out of trouble. Well, does it? Depends what you call trouble. Increases our intimacy. Okay. 
It depends on how, oh, that's good, isn't it? Did you hear what she said? She says, it depends on how close you want to live to the Lord. I like that, Rose. Now, I said last week that we need to be careful because most of us want to be spirit-led. Most of us want to discover God's will in our lives, God's plans in our lives. But in so pursuing it, we can go in the flesh because we have selfish intents. Instinctively, we want... We want this to go well. We want to put our steps down on solid ground rather than in difficulties. All right? So we have to be careful that our thinking, our praying, our being led in the Spirit is not entering into a fleshly motivation, which is, I want things to go well for me and my family. I want that promotion. I want that new car. I want this. I want that. And James tells us, he says, you, you ask amiss, consuming it upon your own desires. Everything we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, you're supposed to be doing it for the glory of God. That means to reflect who God is. Walking in His way and in His will will mean difficulties. Yes or no? All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now that's not a popular message today. And you can sit down with Joel Olstein and his 40,000 member church and you can hear that something good is going to happen to you. In fact, we watched a video here that made me ill as his wife presented that it is God's will that you don't have any problems in your life. And it makes God happy when you're happy. <laughs> so we have to change some of our thinking on this. And I dare say that most of us don't want to have a train wreck in our family. Does anybody want to have a train wreck? Nobody wants to have a train wreck. Obedience in our lives, because our lives is not our own. Have thine own way, Lord, we have sung tonight. So let's look at Saul and what happens in his life. In chapter 9, guess how Saul comes on the picture. His donkeys run away. His daddy's donkeys, yes. Get that theologically straight. His daddy's donkeys run away. Now, whether it was on his watch or not, but he and a servant go out there looking for the donkeys. Now, stop the horses or the donkeys. <laughs> Why did those donkeys run away? Did the Lord have something to do with it? Does Saul have a divine appointment with Samuel? How many want to lose your donkeys? You see what I'm saying? Catch that. This is how the story starts. We don't want to lose our donkeys. We don't want to have problems. But we need to change our thinking, understanding that oftentimes, the, if not all the time, the difficulties that come in our lives are appointments that God is establishing for us. And we've got to change that thinking in our lives. Have you ever said, why did that have to happen? You know, we quote, what's that? To me, to me. <laughs> yeah. Wayne's donkeys can run away. That's okay. But not my donkeys. 
You know, why did that have to happen? Now, catch this also. When Saul went out there, what was he looking for? His donkeys. Now, understand that oftentimes, that's where most of us are. We're looking to solve our problems, but God has a higher agenda. Okay, do you all catch that? I mean, this is, this is marvelous how this is working out. And we quote, all things work together for the good until it happens to me. <laughs> there are no accidents with the Lord. In 1 Samuel 9, 6 now. And then he said unto him, Behold, now there is in the city a man of God. And he is an honorable man. All that he hath come surely to pass. Now let us go there. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Now that caught my attention. So here's Saul and his servants. They're going out there looking for the donkeys. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the servant says, Hey, there's a seer out there. Why don't we go see him? Question, where did that thought come from? It came from the seer's boss. You're right, Cliff. It came from God. Were they looking to discover God? They weren't. They wanted donkeys. But you know that God can place on your heart or in your mind a prompt to go in a direction. You see it? Isn't that marvelous? This is the hands of God. We see it all over these passages here. Don't miss it. Uh, this is the same I was reading this morning. This is the very same thing. When David is left home watching the sheep. You remember that story? And his brothers were off to war. And Jesse says, his daddy, he says, David, you go take lunch to your brothers. Question, where did that come from? Do you think the timing was exactly right for David to go find his brothers? And when he got on the scene, guess who he saw and heard? Goliath. And David was just aghast that this big fella was insulting the God of heaven. So, you get what I'm saying? Where do these thoughts come from? And people are not, hey, David, David, come here. There's a giant out there. You got to go slay him. Did his daddy know about Goliath? Did God know about Goliath? Do you see what I'm saying? Can we change our thinking? So here in this scenario, we're seeing this taking place. Uh, a normal lunch turns into a real story. Well, what was most important for Saul and his servants? Let's find the donkey. Let's finish a building. 
<laughs> Amen to that. Can I say that if we get caught up with let's do something to get it over with, we might miss what's on the journey. Now, I could, I'm sure Larry could say, I wish the building was finished. How many would say, I wish the building was finished, you know? Is it God's timing and plans? You know, I think why Westside has stayed healthy through four years of giving. Do you all know it's been four years of giving starting this April? Four years of giving that this church has given an average of at least fifty or 5000 a month for four years. We've been in the building project for three years. We, we started the giving a year ahead, or approximately a year ahead. Uh, maybe it wasn't quite a year ahead. It was three and a half years, someplace in there, anyways. But does God have us on a journey? And it's healthy for us to understand that not my ways, but His ways. And the Bible says His ways are past finding out. What I like, you know, I was thinking this morning as I was praying about it, Larry, you know, we had set the goal to be in that building. You know when we set the goal to be in that building? Our 35th anniversary. Guess what this anniversary is? 37. Well, was it on our plans to buy 17 acres? We just were going to settle for three acres. Was it on our plans to have a building vandalized? Was it on our plans to build a second story? You see what I'm saying? Did God know all about those things before we got into it? Yeah. How many have been over there lately? It's amazing. It's amazing. Is it? When Larry, when you walked in, didn't it just... I just walk in two weeks after not seeing it. I go... Isn't that something? I haven't been over there in two weeks. Were they? Oh, man. They did it without Larry? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? We miss. Oh, I complain. I gripe. How about you? Because I think I know what journey's best for me. Who knows what's journey's best for us? Yeah, there's blessings in discovery. Saul is on a journey to discover God. All right. So now as we go into this story uh, in chapter nine, uh, verse 27, Samuel, he meets Samuel. They get to see her. They come up with a little token to give him uh, because they know that they, they should give him some something at least as a gift for going to see him. And the seer says or, or Samuel, the prophet or the last judge, however you want to look at him. He says in verse 27, and, and as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Saul. Bid thy servant to go on. The donkeys are home. You can send them ahead. But you stand thou still a while that I might show thee the word of God. Don't miss that. You can get so busy looking for donkeys that you don't stand 
still. How important is it for us to come and just be quiet before the Lord and let Him speak? Be still and know that I am God. I can't tell you how many times, and I don't know why I don't do it more. You know, I'm preaching to myself more than anybody. Maybe more than, uh, Wayne probably more than anybody. But, you know, <laughs> we're picking on Wayne tonight because did you see his boo-boo on his arm? Oh, my soul, my heart just just wept for him because as old as he is, to get hurt like that, you know. and, and <laughs> Poor Wayne. They do. They really do. And I just, I, and I know how those can, hematomans can, can feel and everything. But, but anyways, as, as he, as, 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 why don't we stand still? Why don't we just quiet ourselves before the Lord and try to listen to what he has to say? So God speaks to him in verse 1 of chapter 10. Uh, <clears throat> then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head. Can you imagine Saul standing there? Man, I mean, found my, oh, I'm glad the donkeys are found. And here comes Samuel and he pours oil on his head. Yeah, that was a surprise, wouldn't it be? If I came up to you, uh, Doug, and started pouring oil on your head, would that surprise you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, then, and then he kissed them. Well, that would be odd, wouldn't it? But not in Eugene. It wouldn't be odd in Eugene. But anyways, and, and, what's that? Oil can Henry. <laughs> and, and, uh, and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be the captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find. And he tells them what's going to happen. And. He's going to be anointed king. Now, I don't think Saul really captured what was going on because possibly he was still thinking about his donkeys and he didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, it might have been. I don't know. But in all of this, through these difficulties, God has a plan. Do we believe it? Sometimes. In Bible Pathways today, uh, this is uh, April 6th. I'm about a week ahead. Uh, I try to stay a little bit ahead in case something happens. Uh, in the world of today, there are many, many Saul's and no near enough David's. It is relatively simple for us to proclaim the existence of the Lord. It is also easy for us to praise his name in times of plenty and plead with him in times of pain. What is difficulty for us, however, is letting... Let me read this. Pay attention. What is difficult for us, however, is letting go of our own desires for personal accomplishments and self-preservation. We cling to our own importance and claim that God wants us to be happy and successful, all of our actions are shaped by that belief. We put our will before His. In so doing, we lose sight of His precious promises step by, uh, step by selfish step. We lose our way. And then He brings up this thought, and I want you to ponder this thought. Our success and physical well-being 
is of limited interest to God, it is our soul he would save. Isn't that something? He is interested in our growth. He's interested in our development. He's interested in our praise. And so he allows the difficulties and those things that come to better us, not to bitter us for the Lord. Well, Samuel goes on, gets back home. And in chapter 10 and 11, we see him becoming anointed as king. In fact, remember, where did they have to find him? Amongst the luggage, he went hiding. He was tall. He went hiding. When they came looking for him to find him as the king, he, he, he didn't want to be king. And they drug him out and says, here's our king. Isn't that amazing? Of course, there were some people that didn't want to be king. And you know how that can always go in any situation. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. You know, everybody has their opinion about things. And that so goes on. But... Who is God looking for? He's looking for people who are willing to serve Him. Obedient children. Is He looking for the strong and the mighty? You know, sometimes I say, you know, Lord, boy, I just feel weak. And all of a sudden it hit me. You know, praise the Lord for that. Because Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. God doesn't want us to depend on ourselves in anything that we do. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I've said this time and time again. To come to that place where we can thank God for the persecution, for the struggles. Because of how it causes us to depend on Him and to grow our lives. Much easier for me to preach this than to practice it. In fact, God got a hold of my heart today again. And... Uh, Oftentimes, we make Goliath bigger than God. Uh, just turn to First Samuel. I'd like to preach a message called The Insult of Freckles. First Samuel chapter 17. I, I, don't you, I, do you ever get tired of reading the story of David and Goliath? First Samuel... 17, I, and tonight's message is about Saul, so I'm only going to read. I mean, it just caught my attention. It's to show us, to show us that in our minds, we think people have to be talented and good looking and, and the Hollywood smile. You know, where do they get their teeth and their noses? Well, it costs them quite a bit, probably. And when the Philistine, that's Goliath, looked about and he saw David, he disdained him. Now, that's not a good thing to do with a red-head, freckled kid. For he was but a youth and ruddy, red, and fair countenance. I dare say he probably had freckles. You know, it used to be if you had red hair and freckles, you were, you know, kind of, you know, ticked on. Now red hair is popular and... And, you know, we, we like that in, in all. And, and it, by the way, in the Jewish thing here, it was actually a sign of, of uh, good looks. Because most of the Jews had what color hair? 
black hair, all right? So anyways, he was this ruddy complexion and everything. You know, he probably wasn't much to look on. And Goliath, nine feet, six inches tall, looks down at this kid and says, man, I'm, you're going to be lunch. And David says, you got it all wrong. The God whom I'm serving is going to take you down, big boy. See, David looked at him as too big to miss. <laughs> I like that, don't you? All right. He believes that God will do what he'll do in the midst of difficulties. Now, stop. This is how God spoke to my heart. It's oftentimes we have trust and faith and belief here in our heads, but it oftentimes doesn't come down here in our hearts. We have to believe that God will do what he says he'll do. It might not fit my plans. And I think sometimes that's what gets us in trouble is we want God to fit in our box rather than us fitting into what God has in plans. And so catch that message tonight. Believe the practical side of faith. The practical side of faith is when things fall apart, you have peace in your soul. James 1, 5 says, if we lack wisdom, ask God. Don't doubt. Don't doubt that God will give you wisdom. Hear? Hear me what I said? Not give you what makes you happy or feel good, but he'll give you wisdom to understand. Or else you'll be like the ship tossed in the seas up and down. How many times in our emotions, man, today the sun shines out. Sunday is going to be raining. Wouldn't it be wonderful to come into church and the spirit that's here tonight is when it's raining outside as well. We're not affected by the weather, the circumstances, the struggles of our life because God never came off the throne. All right. So we come up here looking for direction. We found that. He wasn't looking to discover God. We found these thoughts that enter into people's minds. We see uh, uh, how he didn't want to be where he is, but he's put into it. Now I'm going to talk about leaving the direction. Leaving the direction. So eleven and, uh, chapter 11 and 12, we see Saul really having some victories and trusting the Lord and doing some amazing things and making some uh, great decisions. And in fact, those people that didn't like Saul being king, once they went out there and defeated uh, the enemies of the Jabesh Gileads, he, uh, the people said, now, nah, hey, where are those people who are complaining? Where were those people that had their opinions about this? Let's go out and take them to the cru- uh, crucifixion. And Saul says, oh, no, 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 no. This is a day to celebrate God's amazing hands upon our lives. We see an amazing person in Saul. Catch that. Because it starts to change. And what changed it? 1 Samuel 13. You see a change. Saul was waiting for Samuel to show up in verse 8. Samuel doesn't show up. And Saul gets impatient. How many have ever been impatient? You know, impatience doesn't sound like a horrible sin, does it? Can I say that impatience is you wanting your way 
rather than God's way. Or me wanting my way rather than God's way. And this is where we're seeing the decline of Saul in impatience. And he offers sacrifice. He doesn't wait for Samuel. He goes out there and he offers the sacrifice. And then verse 11, Samuel says, What have you done? Now here's a problem. Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmach. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me in Gilgal and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. What did Saul just do? He excused his actions. And that's why I said at the very beginning, we need to be very honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves. Here's the seer who told him about his donkeys, who anointed him with oil. And he says, you wait till I get there to offer the sacrifice and we'll go off to battle. Saul couldn't wait. Verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done what? Foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. There's something missing here. Saul saying, oh God, please forgive me. Isn't God merciful to forgive us? But Saul's starting to become a little bit more self-confident. The danger of our successes. That's what I've always said about going into this building. If we change our dependence from what we've had to do for these past four years and trusting the Lord throughout all this process, how dangerous it is for us to become self-dependent. You all hear me? One of my greatest fears of getting into the building, Larry. This is leaving direction. Leaving by doing what we think or the approval of the people. We see him saying, well, we didn't want to upset the people because we're getting impatient together here now. Philippians chapter 4. Just You all know this verse. You don't need to turn there. You probably all could quote it by heart. Chapter 4, verse 6. Be, be anxious for nothing. How many have ever been anxious? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm having such a time in my devotions, and God is just dealing with me. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The indicator that you're in the Spirit is a peace in your heart. Peace comes from trusting. It is the evidence of the faith walk. 
the walking in the Spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think the the idea of their Thanksgiving is thanking Him for whatever He brings, whatever answer comes away. And you know, and oftentimes we might fail to give thanks when something happens down the road. Give thanks when you pray. Yeah, pray. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to thank you right now for what happens on our journey, even if it's not what we want. Easier said than done. I don't know about you, but we should have an altar call tonight. Okay, let me finish up. Losing direction. All right? Leaving direction. Then comes to losing direction. And what you're going to see in chapter 14 is you start seeing poor decisions. The poor decision was in uh, him telling his uh, soldiers... You don't eat anything until we've captured or destroyed all the people that they were chasing. The Amalekites, I think, uh, whoever it was. And, and, and you read in there, it says that they could have conquered a whole bunch more had they had the strength and the energy to do it. But the leader lost direction. Poor oaths. In chapter 14, listen to what it says in verse 34. And Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into the hands of Israel? But what do we read next? But he answered him not that day. It's almost like God saying, Hey, if you want to follow your own plans... Help yourself. Asking counsel and no answer. Now, I'm not talking about a cloudy day. Okay, I was thinking about this today. You know, sometimes we don't see the sunshine. The sun's still up there. There are times when God says to trust me when you don't hear my voice. But I believe what we're seeing here is a departure from God such that he loses direction for his life. In chapter 15, notice here, Samuel comes now and says, all right, Samuel, all right, Samuel, Saul, I'm going to tell you the Lord has sent me. I, you're not getting words from God. I've come now to tell you what to do and uh, to, to guide these people. This is a word from God. Thus saith the Lord, chapter 15, verse 2 of host. I remember that which the Amalekites did to the Israelites, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite the Amalekites and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both men and women, infants and sucklings, oxen, sheep, camels, and asses. Saul gathered the people to go out there and to do God's plan. Did he do God's plan? He had an addendum to God's plan. An addendum to God's plan. Which was, let's keep the king, let's keep the best for ourselves. And Samuel shows up and he says, why didn't you follow the Lord? And what does Saul say? I did. 
Samuel says, why do I hear this bleating of sheep? Verse 11. It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king. This is God saying this. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night. Verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And then you read in verse 14, Samuel says, What meanest this, the bleeding of the sheep? Verse 17, Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own eyes, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee to be king over Israel. Verse 22, Samuel said, Hath not the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the ram. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the words of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord. And thy words, because I feared the people. What did he just do? He just undid his confession. He's excusing his confession. You see what I'm saying? When we ask forgiveness, well, God, I wouldn't have complained if I didn't wreck my car. Is complaining wrong? You see what I'm saying? So catch what's going on here. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again uh, to me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the words of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king of Israel. A sad day. All the hope, all the opportunities, all the things that Samuel and Saul had, had had at his plate, it is being lost because of losing and leaving the directions of the Lord. Let me ask you this question. Did any of that, what we just read, sound like the works of the flesh? If you were to compare Saul's life with Galatians chapter 5 and the works of the flesh, listen, you go on and keep on going, and we'll, we'll pick this up next week. But you continue in this, this flesh. Do you know what Saul had? He had a nervous breakdown. He had mental instability. You'll read that in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 16 where they get David to come play the music for him and that he's made well and refreshed. Verse 14, it says, uh, And the Spirit of the Lord departed, this is chapter 16, verse 14, from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Verse 23, And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed, made well, and the evil spirit departed him. The effects of music. Wonderful passage there. You'll see fear coming in. This is what you read in, in chapter 17, verse 11, with the story of David and Goliath. It says that, And Saul and all Israel heard the words of, of uh, Goliath. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. He starts shooting from the hip in chapter 17, verse 33. I mean, he has no direction from the Lord. And... He says, when David comes up and he says, hey, uh, David says, I want to fight Goliath. Saul says, you can't go out and fight, the, uh, fight this big guy. 
Then you see jealousy coming in, remember, with that? That's one of the works of the flesh, emulation there in Galatians chapter 5. Jealousy starts coming in, and he says, hey, uh, David has slain, or Saul has slain his thousand, David is 10,000. Where did jealousy take uh, uh, Saul? Took him more crazy? Until finally the music wasn't even to help him. He got more angry and to the place where he started throwing javelins at David. Where does it all end? Where it all ends? He goes to a witch. Is that in Galatians chapter 5? Witchcraft? Isn't that something? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What is rebellion? Not doing what God wants us to do. Folks, let me ask you a question. Is this important? It is. The example of Saul. May those words tonight continue to reach into our soul and to help us to listen, to pay attention, and to do what? God wants. Have you ever told God, hey, I've got a better way than you have? Not in our mouth, but oftentimes in the attitude of which we might convey ourselves. Father, I pray, oh Lord, I, you, you just grabbed hold of me today. And as we talk about being led by the Spirit, as we talk about following your plans, and Lord, as we think about uh, all the decisions and all the things that we're in Really, right now is such such an important time in our church. The formulation of, of decisions. I pray, God, that you will lead this staff, this pastor, our deacons, our servants, Larry, our construction people, and Lord, our design team. God, help us to depend upon you rather than our own selves. Oh, and then, Lord, when we get into the building, help us never to forget our roots. You even warned Israel that when they start getting a little bit successful, that they might forget about God. Oh, Lord, it may it be our desire to each of us, even tonight, as our heads are bowed and eyes closed, can we commit ourselves to continually trusting and seeking and trying to discover God. And when times come up, when we realize that we have gone in our own ways, that we don't make excuses, but we ask God to forgive us. I don't want a Saul coming out of our group. Father, I just praise you. To all of us tonight, we lift up our decisions. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you.